The following podcast contains explicit language. He has a lot of great ideas. He's not a stupid man. He's worth $9 billion. I feel like our country is going down the drain. He's actually a very intelligent man who cares deeply about America. There is no question that this is the person who will go to Washington, D.C. and be able to absolutely turn the place around. Hello, and welcome to Trumpcast. I'm Seth Stevenson, a senior writer at Slate, filling in today for Jacob Weisberg. I'm here at the Republican National Convention in Cleveland. We're actually at a George Washington University alumni event. They've kindly given us a little space and let us crash their party. And I'm with Utah Delegate Stephanie Williams, who has voiced some opposition to the Trump nomination and voiced her support for uh, delegates voting their conscience. Stephanie recently had uh, Buffalo businessman Carl Palladino, a former New York gubernatorial candidate, email her that her, quote, underwear is all bunched up and she should be, quote, hung for treason. So, Stephanie, welcome to the Trump cast. Good to be here. Thank you. <laughs> um, so let's let's go back a little bit. First of all, you're a Utah delegate. How did you become a delegate? Uh, I worked on the Ted Cruz campaign for Utah. Uh, Utah is very pro-Ted Cruz. He won the state by 70%. Trump got 14%. So Donald Trump is not actually very popular in our state. But uh, So I was on the Ted Cruz campaign for Utah. Uh, we worked and got all of our uh, dele- delegates who are Ted Cruz supporters elected. Uh, this is in April, before anybody knew who the nominee was going to be. So Utah's uh, delegation were all uh, Ted Cruz supporters. A lot of them worked on Ted Cruz campaign and really you know, put a lot of vested effort and even money into the Ted Cruz campaign. So that's how I got elected. Um, Is this your first convention? Not my first convention, but first time as a delegate. Okay. So let's. Uh, will you explain to me, first of all, uh, briefly, what is your objection to Donald Trump? Uh, there are several. Uh, I, I really have issues with maybe the moral aspect of things, uh, his womanizing, the adultery, the just in general how he treats women to me is very disgusting. <laughs> in, in addition to that, just uh, policy issues. Uh, I really don't know what he believes. He says he's for this and this and that, and then he changes his p- position he has said he's for partial birth abortion, which I think is abhorrent. He's also said he's pro-life, but he's all over the map. Really, I can't pin him down as to what he really believes. I don't believe he has any real guiding principles. And so he's kind of a wild card. I really don't know what he would do as the president of the United States. My preference, of course, is was to get to somebody else uh, nominated. If he becomes the nominee, which looks like it's you know, very likely today. Uh, yeah, I'll go from there as to who I would support. But All right. Well, uh, so this, this Buffalo businessman, former New York gubernatorial candidate, Carl Palladino, sent you this email. How did, first of all, how did you get on Carl Palladino's radar? <laughs> well, I wrote an open letter to national delegates, uh, just advocating for the Free the Delegates. And this was about two weeks ago. Uh, Free the Delegates, what they, their aim was, was to educate the delegates as to their ability to vote their conscience. They're also advocating for um, adoption of a rule that would basically unbind delegates. We, we already believe that the delegates were unbind uh, because of the rules of the convention. The RNC rules uh, had no binding language in there that pertained to the standing rules of the convention that are the governing rules of you know what happens here at the convention. So 
Uh, just I, I sent him an email. I sent him as well as you know, maybe half the delegates an email just advocating for what I believed and, and trying to lobby him to support it. He's on the, the credentials committee, so I sent all of the credentials committee, there's 112 of them, uh, a copy of this email. So he wrote back, he says, I should be hung for treason and that the Republican Party, uh, I forget exactly what he said, but the Republican Party will you know, crumble if, if we try to get rid of Trump and that he's going to be in my face in Cleveland. I actually did see him yesterday. Uh, he just walked past and he doesn't know what I look like. So I didn't really, you know, I didn't engage. <laughs> um, it sounds like he's the one with his underwear in a bunch. Are you, are you, are you, you don't want to confront him while you're here? You don't want to ask I have, him? No, I mean, he's the one that instigated it, really. I mean, I didn't send him any uh, nasty responses or anything. So, no, if there's any kind of a problem, it'll be his own doing, his own initiation. So, um, How did it feel to get an email like that? Well, obviously, it was disturbing. I uh, I sent it to a friend of mine who's in in the media, and he wrote an article about it. He said he would, couldn't believe that somebody would send an email like that, especially a delegate, especially somebody of Palladino's background. I run for governor. He's on the school board. Uh, you just think he'd have a little more restraint in something he would write to a fellow delegate. So I was pretty taken aback by it. I was shocked. Have you ever have you gotten that? type of abuse from anyone else uh, in, so not far in this a, I mean, His cycle? was a semi-death threat. I haven't been... Well, yesterday, I guess we got sort of death threats from Trump people, but nothing directed at me personally. Uh, just really in general, um, diehard Trump supporters tend to be more in your face and they won't listen to you and they're kind of abusive and uh, not necessarily threatening you with, you know, killing you or something like that, but they, uh, they're just kind of hostile. <laughs> Why do you think that is? Has that happened to you in other election cycles or other conventions? Why do you think that is? Uh, why do you think the Trump supporters in particular are that way? Well, I, I really can't speak for them uh, other than that they're just maybe angry. Maybe they're angry about a lot of things, uh, how the country's going. Uh, so many people are out of work. It's just a manifestation of maybe a lot of built-up anger in Trump's event, uh, you know, a way for them to express that anger. And if you get in the way of, you know, you don't fall in line and support Trump, then they take that anger out on you. I've, you know, being from Utah, we really are pro-Cruz, and so we've really had anyone who's a Trump person has really uh, been pretty hostile. A, a lady in my delegation yesterday was cornered in the bathroom by two Trump supporters because we... You know, we're not lined up behind Trump. We're not rah-rah Trump. So they told her that she needs to die and that the entire Utah delegation needs to die and they need to take our security away from us because they shouldn't be wasting their money paying for security. And so I, I really don't know what kind of um, purpose that serves. I was going to just read this little quote here from Alexander Hamilton. I love that you carry a copy of the Federalist <laughs> Papers around with you. I have read it actually several times, believe it or not. <laughs> but he says, for in politics as in religion... It is equally absurd to aim at making proselytes by fire and sword. Heresies in either can rarely be cured by persecution. So if you're going to you know, convert somebody to your cause, the way to do that is not to be in their face and try to force them and be abusive. You've gotta, you need to persuade them. You need to you know, give them a reason to support. I need a reason to support Trump. Trump has not won me over. He has not won over a vast majority of people. 
and a lot of people, you know, they're not going to be bullied into supporting Trump. That's a really a dumb way to go. Well, for, for, so for a lot of people who, are, who aren't delegates or uh, as intimately involved in politics, what happened yesterday was really, was really confusing. Can you explain to listeners what exactly happened on the convention floor yesterday? There was a lot of hubbub. There was, there was some kind of, there was yeah. a lot of gaveling. Um, there was a lot of shouting. Well, in what some ways, that? I don't actually even know. I, okay. I don't think anybody actually knows. <laughs> to the extent that you <laughs> but, understand or but, can get in broad strokes explain what happened. What happened yesterday? Basically, what happened was uh, last week, the Convention Rules Committee adopted a package of rules that we don't like. They consolidated power in the RNC. They kept a rule, it's called uh, Rule 12, which really enhances the RNC's power and takes power away from uh, delegates and the state. And so that was one of the main things we were upset about. Uh, It also added binding language to the standing rules of the convention in Rule 38, and that's never happened other than in the 76 when the Ford administration tried to prevent Ronald Reagan from getting the nomination. So they added binding language. So we, we weren't happy about that. A binding language, of course, meaning that uh, delegates would have to vote according to what was dictated by their state. And not they wouldn't be able to vote their conscience as they've been able to do in every convention since the creation of the Republican Party. I mean, that's how we got Abraham Lincoln was that delegates voted their conscience. They didn't vote for the nominee, presumptive nominee at the time, who was some, you know, rich New Yorker. They voted for Abraham Lincoln and, you know, they, they made the right choice. So we're upset about just the rules that were adopted. And in order to, for us to do anything about that, we had to have a roll call, a force a roll call and then have the entire body of the delegates vote for it. If enough delegates, the majority voted, you know, against having adopting these rules, then the rules would be thrown out. So that's what we were trying to do. Uh, people thought we were trying to stop Trump's nomination, and I don't exactly know what they thought we were trying to do because we didn't get the opportunity to talk. We didn't get the opportunity to explain the RNC. What we had to do was have the signatures of a majority of seven states according to uh, Rule 39. So we followed the rules, followed the rules to, you know, the nth extent. Really, we we did what we could following the rules. We got 11 states' signatures. We only needed seven. We had to look. We were supposed to deliver the, these rules, uh, petitions, excuse me, to the, uh, the secretary of the convention. She was hiding in a obscure hallway with armed guards in front. It took us two over two hours to find her to finally deliver these petitions to her. So they did everything they could to try to prevent us from doing, getting this. It wasn't a fair process. It wasn't, you know, transparent or anything of the sort. They're trying to obstruct what we did at, at every turn. So, and then they said that, well, once they got the petitions, evidently, I mean, we did get harassed by some Trump people trying to get us to take our names off of the petition. So evidently they were, they were successful in getting Delegates to take their names off three, at least in three states, to to where it wasn't a majority anymore. And then they also said that um, there was only nine states. It's it's all confusing. For the establishment, do you think it's more about um, this actual fight over the rules and about consolidating power with themselves? Or is it about just not 
embarrassing Trump and just making sure Trump gets nominated with little fuss and with no dissension? I think it's both. I mean, the rules really do enhance their power. But right now, right now they're trying to make Trump look good. They're trying to make it look like we're all unified. And that's what the, that's what the Trump people are saying. They get in your face and they say, you need to fall in line. You need to be unified. You know, that's not how you unify people. <laughs> um, do you, uh, you know, some, some people have been saying that people in the establishment, they, they want it to run smoothly. They don't want there to be any fuss. But in fact, in their hearts, they're not actually for Donald Trump. But do you, do you- there's, there's most of the delegates are like that. Um, I mean, Donald Trump can say that he won a record amount of votes, which is actually true. But there was a record amount of votes cast, period. And he won a plurality, not a majority of those votes. He only won 39% of the vote when he had competition. That's not any kind of a consensus. It's not any kind of a huge mandate for him to claim that he's uh, this uh, right, has I all mean, the support from Republicans because most Republicans actually voted for somebody else. Right. I mean, this is the, the, the argument you hear against um, is, well, Trump run fair and square. This is the will of the people. Um, it's the will of the people that voted for him. Is it the will of the majority? No, it's not. <laughs> right. Um, what will you do in November if, it's, if, if it indeed is Donald Trump and it's Hillary Clinton? Well, like I said earlier, uh, the convention's not over. Uh, Trump, if he wants to win my support, he's going to have to show me that he's going to support the Constitution. And so far, he, he says he's going to defend the 12th article of the Constitution. There's no such thing. Of the 12, I don't even know what he's talking about. He says that the, the constitutional powers of the federal government are to provide for the general defense, which is true, and then to provide education and to provide health care. I've read the Constitution several times, and I've never seen those two last things in there. So he's going to have to persuade me that he's going to actually defend the Constitution because that's what I'm loyal to. And you, now, you mentioned that, you know, the, the convention's not over yet. He's still a nominee. What's le- what options do you have left? What Are there any remaining gambits? Um, yeah, I mean, the delegates, he hasn't actually been crowned the king yet. So the delegates, it's up to each delegate. My delegation, we have no worries because we're all crews, and so we don't have to vote for Trump anyway. <laughs> so... But delegates who are in states that are, you know, bound to Trump, it's up to them if they want to try to vote their conscience and vote for somebody else. Hey, why even have delegates in the first place if we're just a, a stamp, to stamp on something? Just, just get rid of the whole process of conventions and delegates. Just have primaries. I mean, if we have no say... Why are we here? We're, we've been railroaded really yesterday. They didn't listen to us. Uh, and one thing I wanted to say about yesterday, uh, the chair took a vote, a voice vote. Every single person and their dog and the rats, who, whatever was moving in that convention voted. It was not the delegates who voted. He took a voice vote. People said, up oh. in the nosebleed seats. Yes. Everybody, the, everybody in the convention, were, they were yelling and screaming. So what the delegates actually voted for, I have no idea, really. So I mean, it was just really a joke. Yesterday was just really disgusting because we played by the rules and they did not. They made it up as they went. There was no deadline as to when you're supposed to get those petitions to the, the, the chair. And they said we didn't get these states in time, some of them. And there was no deadline. They just made it up as they went. So... All right, Stephanie Williams, Utah delegate, thank you so much for joining us on the Trumpcast. Enjoy the rest of the convention, or at least try to enjoy the rest of the convention. (laughs)
I will. Thank you. Okay, thanks. <laughs> That's it for today's show. Trumpcast is produced by Jason DeLeon with an assist from Ayana Morali, Jeff Bloomer, and Eamon Ismael. Steve Lichtai is the executive producer of Slate Podcasts. Andy Bowers is our chief content officer. I'm Seth Stevenson. Thanks for listening to Trumpcast. I didn't choose Chris Christie because I knew what was going to happen. It was going to be Trump and plump, and I didn't want that.